0: As they are finding their seats where they are going, uh, I'm going to ask you to uh, open your Bibles to the book of Romans, and we'll get there in just a minute. I want to welcome you again today. We're, We're glad that you're here. At Heritage, we've been going through, if you're newer with us, We've been going through the the gospel of Matthew, the book of Matthew on Sunday mornings. And what we've seen from this gospel is that the book of Matthew announces, it heralds the the arrival of the kingdom of heaven. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then the rest of the text calls the reader to respond to Jesus, to respond to the kingdom of God as a follower as a disciple of Jesus. Hi, Ike, uh, as a follower of Jesus. Hey, listen, if you don't want to be loved on, go somewhere else. No, just kidding, okay? Uh, so so we're called to follow Jesus, uh, and, and what that looks like is that means that we live for him and we live like him. And we do so, according to the Gospels, we do so because we have been brought into Vital contact with the Spirit. That's the first promise. The first message in the, of these things is, behold, Jesus, he's the one who's going to baptize you in the Spirit, I and mean, he's going to bring you into living vital contact with the Spirit, and it is that contact, that, that vital connection with the Spirit that defines and determines our discipleship, that enables us to live for Jesus and live like him to the point where this might, be some, this might press your faith a little bit to the point where the Bible says that and Jesus taught that the goal of discipleship for the master and the student, he said, is that the, is that the student becomes like the master. That means that the goal of your discipleship, kind of take a breath and let this kind of get in there. The goal of your discipleship is that you follow Jesus so ardently and so closely that eventually it is very difficult for people to tell the difference. Well, I don't know about that. Well, that's what Jesus has called you to be. The other day in the gym, I was walking by one of the guys in the gym, and as I walked by, he said, oh, Jesus. And I turned around, I said, no, Brian, but I can understand how you might... I don't know that he meant, but I thought, anyway. I do, I really do think I'm that funny. I was... uh I was praying with my younger sons a few nights ago. How many of you have a, some sort of a routine with your kids? Or you, when, you, when they were younger, you had a routine with them? I have a, we have had routines with all the kids in different, different stages. Benjamin will probably remember that his routine was, you are, I, was, there was five fingers, super good, happy, sweet boy. And I would just go like this, and he would say, super good, happy, sweet boy. And he still is. 20 years old, super good, happy, sweet boy, and uh, so I pray with the younger boys. They're kind of a, uh, and so uh, usually at, uh, I have them repeat after me. Ever? we do that in church a lot. We pray, and they repeat after me. So I'll, I'll, I'll. Generally, it's the same. You know, bless these boys, give them good dreaming, give them good sleeping. You know, that kind of thing. Occasionally, I'll kind of wax eloquent and go a little longer, uh, and see if I can get them to keep going. So I'll pray lots of things. And the other night we were praying, and, and, I, got, and I got motivated. And then, so I'm leading them in prayer. And they were in our room because they, they, they occasionally, more often than not, camp out with us. Uh, and so I'm praying with them, Maxwell and Spencer. And uh, I got to, I decided to just get motivated. It must have been close to Sunday. So I said something like this. Let them be followers of Jesus. And they repeat, let us be followers of Jesus. I said, let them live for Jesus. And they're Jesus. Let them live like Jesus. And Maxwell, let us live like Jesus. Spencer, he don't say it. Spencer stops me with absurdity. He says, Dad, I can't live like Jesus. Ooh. All of a sudden, I got a preach come on me. Here's the problem, though. I think, you know, I I really think that many believers... Think that way. I think they almost insist that they can't live like Jesus. But the truth is, Jesus insists that we do. According to Jesus, according to Jesus, you are the evidence of Easter. So back to Spencer. He says, I can't live like Jesus. And I immediately said, oh, you most certainly can. And I begin to tell my 10-year-old about living in vital contact with the Spirit. That it's the Holy Spirit who enables us to live for Jesus and live like Jesus. And and he listens to me until he's done. (laughs) And then he drops his big argument. He says, Dad, I can't raise myself from the dead. And he thought he had me. but I said, neither did Jesus. He says, what? Neither did Jesus. Let's go to our title slide. God raised Jesus from the dead. This is the testimony of Scripture. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, Paul wrote to the church at Rome and said this let we got this is this we got one point today and here's here's the title slide here's our one point everybody say the same spirit the same spirit subtitle is this because he was raised so will you you want to say it with me because he was raised Romans 8 verse 11 here's what Paul wrote but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. The same Spirit. Because He was raised, so will you. Here Paul says three things, and here's just the three things we're going to highlight this morning. Number one, it was the Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the dead. Secondly, that same Spirit Dwells in you. I'll I'll try to convince that of you, but so far only 14 are happy about it. That same spirit dwells in you. Now, the more you respond, the faster I go. (laughs) And then, thirdly, here's the point the same spirit will do for you. What he did for Jesus. In other words, if he walked out of that grave, I'm walking too. Come on, somebody say, I'm walking, too. I'm walking too. So the first thing is this. God raised Christ by the power of the Spirit. Okay. That God raised Jesus from the dead. That God raised Jesus from the dead. That he is risen indeed is the most important truth you can believe. It triumphs over every other idea, every other reality. All, (laughs) all, I'm not a, I won't, there's no hyperbole here. All reality, all truth, everything you can see and believe is changed by, is determined by this one thing, God raised Jesus from the dead. Now, this is the fundal, fundamental confession of our faith. This is what we believe. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Now, what he says, let me, I'll come back and repeat it, but this idea of confessing with our mouth the Lord Jesus, we need to hear that in a first century term. He's, he's speaking of like a legal confession before witnesses. It's not necessarily, you see there, you get four amens and then that's it. No, uh, 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 he's not talking about the kind of confession that we might kind of quietly kind of cover our mouth and sort of nod our head. Not that that's not genuine, but if we're looking at what the scripture means, it, it, it's like confessing before a jury or before a crowd of witnesses. Like it's, it, it's the equivalent of taking a public oath. So when I can, I'm confessing. I'm taking a public oath that I believe Jesus is Lord. Everybody say, "I believe Jesus is Lord." Lord. So here's what Paul says: If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart, and really, it's not like oh, and also this, but as a result of this belief, if you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, salvation is determined by the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Amen. Now, apart from that truth, apart from the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, if you separate, if we reject that or we, as not true, but without that truth, then death is only a haunting reality. Death is only a haunting reality that, that tries to remind us that life is meaningless. Freud said because of course he didn't believe any of this Freud said that 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 mankind exists in this in in a journey of death avoidance Meaning that everything that we do, all the fantasy, all the storytelling, all the imagination, all the stuff, that everything we do, even specifically religion, he says, is death avoidance. We are just trying to keep ourselves occupied with enough distraction so that we are not overwhelmed by despair of the fact that we're all just going to disappear into dark nothingness. That's Freud's theory based upon his 13 years of cocaine addiction. They don't include that in the books. But here's here's God's theory based upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, death is actually temporary. Life is not only meaningful, it's eternal. And that is what the difference makes. It's literally a difference not only of life and death, but of hope and despair. of, Of powerlessness or power, of, of, of hopelessness, or joy. This belief changes everything. It, should, it must change the way we think and see and believe. God raised Jesus from the dead. Because he has been raised from the dead, our faith is certain. We have a certainty to our faith. Because everything is sits on the resurrection. Of Jesus Christ, everything, everything we believe rests on the resurrection. If it's not true, then we all go home and have cake or whatever. But because it is true, we live entirely differently, both now and forever because of Jesus, because of the resurrection of Jesus. Our faith is certain death is defeated. And there is literally, literally nothing left to fear. That's the first thing that the angel said when, they, when, they, when the women found him in the tomb. He said, do not be afraid. When the women came across Jesus and they fall in worship at his feet, what's the first words out of Jesus' mouth? The first, Really, the first message heralded because Jesus has come out of the grave. The first, what, among the first things he could have said, but what he says is this, do not be afraid. There is literally nothing left for us to fear. There is only victory. God raised Jesus from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, that same Spirit dwells in you, Paul tells us. For everyone who has believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, for everyone who has welcomed the Holy Spirit to live in them as Lord, to dwell in them, this is your hope. The same Spirit that raised Christ, the same Spirit that raised Christ dwells in you. Now, that means that you, because of the Spirit of God, because of the Holy Spirit living in you, you have, right now, a living, vital connection to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, in the incarnation, as as, as God become flesh, in the incarnation, Christ stepped into our world he identifies with us he feels what you feel he feels like he would feel like the same as you that guy's been talking too long or this chair is uncomfortable or why didn't church start on time he feels all those things he feels like i wish the bathroom were closer and wish, you know or or boy that coffee was good he felt all the things that you're feeling he he entered into the fullness this is important in the incarnation jesus entered into the fullness of our humanity in his suffering on in the on the as on the night that he was betrayed and in the garden of gethsemane as he prayed in agony and in his and in his and in the, his uh, his passion his in his uh, the scourging and in the cross christ entered into our suffering he had not only entered into the human condition fully he has entered fully into our suffering to take it upon himself to not just to identify with us and empathize with us but to but to step into it and take it upon himself, to be our deliverer. In the incarnation, he enters into our humanity. On the cross, let's say, he enters into our suffering. But in the resurrection, because it's the Holy Spirit who quickens the, the, the body of Jesus, that his, his broken body laying there in a, in a tomb wrapped in, 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 in cloth and in a hundred pounds of spices, torn to shreds, beaten to a pulp, the Holy Spirit comes on that, that body and quickens it and begins to mend it and put it back together. And there's something mystical, something supernatural there. He actually comes up out, all the grave clothes stay, but he don't. All the grave clothes laid right where they were. Everybody came in there and they found an empty tomb and grave clothes. Not not unstrewn, not like he took them off, but like laying there as if someone had been in there. Like, Woo! No wonder they said, Don't be afraid, it looks creepy, but it's good news. So somehow, in a mystical way, the, the power, the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus and pulls him up out of there, Resist. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, it was impossible for death to hold him there. It was impossible. Death tried to hold on. It couldn't hold him. It couldn't hold him. It could, he couldn't hold him. So Jesus comes up out of the dead, out of that tomb by the power of the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing. That same Spirit dwells in you. So in the incarnation, he identifies with our humanity. And in his suffering on the cross, he, enter, he enters into our agony and our suffering. But in the resurrection, you are brought into his life. In the resurrection, you are now brought into the very moment that Christ is quickened. That same spirit is quickening you right now. You are brought into that life-giving moment. And that, that is what defines you as a Christian. What defines you as a Christian is not a moral code or an opinion or that you like the King James or the the NIV, okay? What defines you as a Christian is the same spirit that quickened that body of Jesus now dwells in you. It defines your discipleship. It determines your life. It lets you live for and like Jesus. But here's the good news. That same spirit dwells in you. That means the same spirit, the same power, the same life, and the same hope is living in you right now. Somebody said the same spirit. same spirit. Well, now that means two things. Here's our syllogism. If it's the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead and the Holy Spirit dwells in me, whoo, that's good news. That means that the same spirit that raised Christ will give life to you as well. That there will come a time when, the, when when Jesus says that there will be a trump that will sound from the heavens and the dead in Christ will rise, but we who will, and who are alive will meet them in the air. There will come a time when He will call upon, when He will say the word, and the same Spirit that raised Christ will raise you too. That means your death is temporary, but your life is eternal. The same spirit will do the same thing. I want you to say that with me, with me. Ready? The same spirit will do the same thing. That means just as certain as there is an empty tomb outside of Jerusalem. Just as certain as that stone was rolled away. Just as certain as those who came to seek a dead man found an empty tomb. Just as certain as his death was temporary, so is yours. Just as certain as his victory is eternal, so is yours. Yeah. Paul says that Christ has that Christ has been raised from the dead, but that he was just the first one. First Corinthians 15 20 says Jesus is the first fruit. That means he is the because he is the first of many who will be raised from the dead. In the Garden of Eden, death came by the action of one man. But by another man on the hill of Golgotha, through him came the resurrection of the dead. Therefore, we do not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Lean into that passage with me, will you? Listen to that, what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1. We do not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead who has delivered us from the peril of death and He will yet deliver us for we have set our hope in Him. 2 Corinthians 4 Knowing that He who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also. Of this we can be certain. The same Spirit who raised Christ from the dead dwells in us and He will give life to us. Of this we can be certain, if he lives in victory, so shall we. And of this we can be audaciously certain, that if he walked out of that grave, if he walked out of that grave, I'm looking for somebody in this house to help me this morning. If he walked out of that grave... I'm walking too. Is there anybody that can help me finish this thing off now? If he walked out of that grave, come on, let's stand and say it. If he walked out